Thanks, Becky. Good evening. As Becky said, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. It's my privilege to um, be speaking this evening. It's my privilege to um, lead the team. I must say, I am very, very excited about the Hungering After God season that is started, starting. I think for me, it was back in May where I felt God starting to challenge me and speak to me about my own personal hunger for God. I found three particular things sort of colliding together um, that brought me to a point of fresh desperation to meet with him, to encounter him, to be transformed by him. The, fir- the first thing actually was just a desperation. I realized I can't do it. I realized that with all of my resources and with all the time and with everything I put into it, actually what God was calling me to do was just too hard. It was beyond my ability um, to do it. And you may think, cool, that took you a long time to realize that. We could have, uh, we could have told you that a bit sooner. But, but it took me to that point. And if I'm honest, it was quite a challenging point. It was quite, it was quite difficult um, for me. Uh, there. I think the second thing was I was reading a number of books that really fed into it and provoked me about my own relationship with God, the time I was spending with him, how I was connecting with him. One's called The Power of Presence by Neil Anderson. Um, It's only a little book, you'd read it in a few hours, but it just talks about the importance of our presence with other people, but also with God's presence with us on an ongoing basis. And again, it started to um, uh, captivate my heart afresh, um, to cultivate a fresh hunger for him. And then lastly, it was a Saturday night. And often I'll spend Saturday nights preparing for Sundays in a sense of just making sure I'm in the right place, particularly if I'm speaking. Um, But this Saturday night, I wasn't speaking, but I just felt I I wanted to get away and spend some time with God praying. And and so I did. And I I just thought, well, I'll just pray for a few moments. And I, I was just praying, and um, a few moments elapsed, and I thought, no, I, I, I want to keep going after God. I want to keep seeking Him, and I prayed a bit longer, and in a sense, I prayed up to that point where I thought, actually, I'm, I'm going to stop. No, no, I felt, no, I want to carry on, and I carried on, and if I'm honest, after it was probably after just a couple of hours, really, um, I, I probably stopped or Chloe wondered where I'd gone on Saturday night. She'd obviously had a very fun night while I was praying and she was, I don't know. Um, but, but I felt God really birthed something in me um, afresh for him on the back of that evening. And I think really in the end, at the end of the day with this 40 days, and you might be thinking, you know, what does it really mean? How does it really work for me? If I can sum it up, In three words, it's this. Give God space. If you want to know what do I do, you give God space. That's that's how you respond. In the busyness of life, in the cut and thrust of everything we do, it's so easy to crowd either crowd God out or just to crowd him into a little set part of our lives. God's too big for that. He wants more of you than that. And as we go after God as a church, in the end, really what that means is 400 individuals giving God space. Gathering to pray, making time to go up to, I think we've named it the hunger room. So heading up there, just setting aside extra time, maybe lunch break. So actually I'm going to miss a meal 
and I'm just going to pray and seek after God. Opening your Bible and reading it, maybe saying, well, over these 40 days, I'm going to read. I'm going to read all the Gospels in 40 days. I just want to encounter Jesus. I'm going to open my life up, and if there's parts of my life that don't line up with you, God, would you speak to me about them so I can put them right? I want to pursue you. So I'm excited about this hungering after God because I believe it's going to change us as a church. And what that really means is change you as individuals. Not because we've done some flashy conference or because we've got some really, really um, anointed preacher who's going to come in and change you, but because you go after God and God changes you as you do it. You give God space, he changes you. It's it's an absolute certainty. It's a cast iron guarantee. You give him space, he'll fill it. I know he will. I know he will. So what I want to do with the time we've got this evening is just to, in a sense, go back through, well, briefly recap from last week, fill in some of the gaps that I didn't say last uh, last week, which I should have done, and also then provide some extra information. As I shared last week, we, we have a real desire to grow a healthy church that will bring the kingdom of God to Hastings and 1066 country. And you may think, well, well, why? Why do we want to do it? Well, because, because I, I want to, we want to, don't we, see Hastings and the surrounding towns and villages transformed by the power and the love of Jesus Christ. We believe that when people encounter Jesus Christ, their lives get changed for the better. Ultimately, that's, what, that's, what, that's the business we're in. That's what we're up to, is we want to introduce people to Jesus and his glorious, wonderful kingdom. And as they encounter him, as they meet with him in whatever way that will be, it will have a positive impact on their lives. I mean, it's what's happened to me. It's what's happened to you guys, I think. Well done, Helen. You're with me. You and Iris Burford in the morning, you in the evening meeting, I don't need any more than that. God's had a powerful effect on our lives. God's had a powerful effect on our lives. And we believe because he's had a positive effect on our lives, if we introduce other people to Jesus, he's going to have a wonderful effect on them as well. Yeah? So that's why we want to build healthy church. That's why we want to go to places where they don't yet know about Jesus and tell them about him because he's a life changer, because he does good. Whether it's family situations, whether it's workplaces, whether it's reducing crime, whether it's affecting the health, um, the whole health system, whether it's education, I believe the kingdom of God can have a powerful impact and bring change and transformation as we take him out. Because we carry the kingdom of God to people that don't know about him. And that's why we're planting four venues. That's why we're going to plant into Bexhill with Steve and Laurie Young and Andrew Bunt. They're going to go there. Why? Because if we go there, that means gathered church will be closer to 40,000 people, which means that they have a greater opportunity to encounter the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we're going to go to central St. Leonard's and we're going to plant a community that looks something like you, into that community because we believe as we do that, that will have a radical effect on people's lives regardless of um, what background they come from, what education they are, how much money they've got. We believe the gospel can cut through all of those things and bring change and transformation. That's why we're reinvesting into you, into our gathering here, turning it from a, a good meeting with some nice worship, powerful worship, 
in glorious encounters, but, but, but our desire, our passion is to build you into a congregation, into a church that is effective at reaching out, reaching to those that don't know about the love of Jesus Christ, because you can take him out. You are his hands and feet. That's why we're reinvesting into the 10 a.m. meeting, because, hey, lots of people from the 10 a.m. meeting are going to come and join you guys. They're going to go to Bex Hill. They're going to go to St. Leonard's. And we've got a real job on our hands because we need to fill the auditorium. We want to see a filled auditorium with transformed, changed lives who are loving Jesus and affecting their communities with the gospel. That's what we're about. That's why we're going from one church with two meetings to one church with four venues because we believe God's called us to impact Hastings and 1066 country. If we didn't believe God had called us us to that, we might as well just stay like we are because it's a lot easier. It's a lot less work for us, for me. But we don't believe that. We believe God's called us to something greater, to have a greater impact, and therefore we are going out. And we believe we've been prophetically called to it. Right back from in 1992, Jack Biggerstaff, we have a vision for Hastings. You won't know who he is, but he was an old saint, a bit of a troublemaker, actually. But anyway, but he was passionate for Jesus. He says, we have a vision for Hastings, bringing Hastings under the sound of the gospel and seeing not dozens, but hundreds saved, thousands being saved and all the villages along the coast and inland and planting new churches. That's what I carry in my heart. That's what I'm about. That's that's why I'm here. That's what I want to see happen in this locality. There are far too many people that don't know about Jesus. God's called us to have an impact. God has called us to make a difference. But you'll notice with that statement of grow a healthy church, bringing the kingdom of God to Hastings and 1066 country, that we're not just interested in a broad church. We're not just interested in going. We're really interested in what we're planting. We are interested in the quality of what we put there on the ground. We're interested in the quality of what church looks like. What does it really look like? What is healthy church? You see, Jesus said this to his disciples. By this, my Father is glorified. Not that there are loads of people following God, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We are called as individuals and we are called as a community of people, a church, to be fruitful. We are. It's in our DNA. But what does this fruit look like? How, how do we produce this fruit? What as a church do we need to be planted in if we're going to bear fruit? I mean, have a look at this picture here of a tree. It is rooted, it is established into the ground. It's established in good soil and it's well watered. For us as a church, we need to be established in the soil of the Word of God, the Bible. We need to be rooted and established on this book. Not that we just wave it around a bit on Sunday mornings, but we really do use it when we are living life. When we're making decisions about our future, when we make decisions, life decisions, about, I don't know, who we're going to marry, or how we do relationships with one another, or, or, or am I righteous in work, or, or is it all right just to fiddle it a bit? We go back to this book to find out what does God say is important. We bed ourselves into the truth of the Word of God. But we also need to be watered by the person of the Holy Spirit. We needed to be flooded with His presence. We needed to be, we need to be saturated with Him. If we're going to grow healthy church, 
We needed to be rooted and established into the Bible and absolutely flooded with the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, just let these words soak into your soul. They are so rich. All scripture is breathed out by God. Isn't that beautiful? This isn't just a book. God breathed it out. He inspired it. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God or, or, or the minister of God, that's you, may be complete. Wow. What's contained in here can make you complete. Equipped for every good work. This book is not just for Sundays. This is not just for pastors. It is not just for church. It's for everyday life. Unless this scripture is lying, which it isn't. Do you invest your life into it? Not just as a church are we planted into it, but are you personally planted into it? Friends, we must not rely on sound bites or people's testimonies to get our theology. People's testimonies can inspire us, but it's not a good place to go for theology. If we want to understand what God says, if we want to understand how we build our lives, we build them based on what this book says. That's why we take it so seriously. That churches are, are really good at sound bites. You know, these pithy little sayings that we remember, we think, wow. Well, just before we go wow and we digest them, just pause for a moment and think, are they true? Or are they shaped more by modern psychology or the spirit of this age than actually what this says? It's so important. And I want to encourage you, don't be gullible. Timothy, in this same letter, is told to correctly handle the word of truth. So that means you can incorrectly handle it, that you can use it badly. Well, as a church, no, we don't want to do that. We are committed the best we can to understand what this book says and apply it effectively. We test things. Not to be critical, but because we want to build well. We want to build well. But secondly, oh, we must be watered by the Holy Spirit. If we do not know the Holy Spirit giving life into this church, we will dry out and die. You can have churches with great theology, but they're dead. You can have churches that are full of the life of the Spirit and bad theology and blow up. And there's many, many, many hundreds, thousands of churches that blend the two. That's where we want to be. We, we, we want to know the Word of God well. We want to experience the person of the Holy Spirit ministering and working through us. He was essential to the New Testament church. He is essential to us today. On the last, it says in John 7 verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me. Just to clarify, not just super Christians, not just the wacky fringe. Whoever believes in me. 
out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the... Now this he said about the... And I've lost my place. Whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Person of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Spirit is for the church. He is for us. He is for us. And oh, don't we need him. He is not an optional extra. He is essential if we're going to do what God is calling us to do. Power to live the Christian life. Power to witness. He reveals the Father. He opens the Bible to us so we can understand it. If you don't understand the Bible when you read it, ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you to understand it. He will be only too pleased. He produces fruit in our lives. That, that means um, good character. He has the power to do that. He has the power to change our character as we respond to him. He gives us gifts. Prophetic gifts. Um, praying for the sick. Gifts of miracles. Words of insight. He brings intimacy to our relationship with God. If God seems far from you, Ask to be filled. Ask and say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? I want to know Jesus better. He will guide and empower your prayer. He will help you love the person next to you. He will help you to love the person next to you. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. And one of our biggest dangers as a church is maybe that we could become self-sufficient. We think we can do this. We know how it works. A.W. Tozer said this. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would, sorry, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. How, how, How much is that true of your own life as an individual? Christians are called to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, to respond to his prompting, to know his voice. So if we plant ourselves into the word of God, if we know what it is to be watered by the Holy Spirit, what is the fruit that we we want produced in, in us as a church? Well, the first thing we want is we want the fruit of disciples. We want to see disciples grown at King's Church. We want followers of Jesus who love God. Followers of Jesus who love one another. It takes time. It takes commitment on our part, but that's what we're into. That is what we want, a quality of fruit. Disciples grow best in relationship. So if you're not in some sort of relationship, you know, as in friendship, committed to someone else in, 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 in how you do life together, it's going to be hard for you to grow well as a Christian. Discipleship grows best in relationship. And the venues as we go out are going to help us grow disciples. That's through teams being formed that don't yet exist. New, new opportunities that will, will become available, both in serving and leadership. New challenges that we will need to grow through. The reality is that I think our growth best, no, 
I grow, I grow most as a follower of Jesus through hardship. It's through suffering, I think, where I grow the most generally if I respond well. I don't welcome it. I don't want it. I, I at times, say to God, why don't you do a different way? He seems to know best. He's really good at knocking corners off my personality. He has a great, it's a great way of grabbing my attention because I come back to him and say, God, I thought it was going so well, and, and it's not at the moment. God, what's going wrong? And he, he draws me back. Disciples aren't just born that way, they're made. Disciples isn't just an unction of a sovereign God upon us. It's as we respond to his love and power in our lives. He hasn't asked for us just to be committed to coming once a week. He said, come follow me. That's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment commitment. We're just here on Sundays to encourage you, strengthen you, teach you, train you, and send you out to go and do the proper work out there. Disciples of Jesus. We want to be, another fruit we want, to, uh, we want to see visible in our lives is we want to be a compassionate church that cares for the poor. We've got some awesome ministries going on. But these awesome ministries don't happen in a vacuum. They happen because we've got some awesome people who are committed to it and who give themselves to serve in that way and give themselves to love in an extraordinary way because God's helped them to do it. Food bank. One example. Some of the stuff our community groups are doing. Another example where people just give themselves. Compassion is frequently seen in the ministry of Jesus. It's a fruit of walking with him. You won't find it in the list of fruits, but you do find love, you do find generosity, you do find other things. I reckon if you mix them all together, you get compassion. As individual Christians, we should be shaped by compassion, love, generosity. I'm so pleased we're doing some great projects, but... I'm more passionate, if I'm honest, that our hearts are touched. And that when we see need, we're compassionate rather than judgmental. I am too quick to judge. I am too quick to judge. I'm too slow to show compassion. We're called to be a compassionate church, to care for those in need. That's why we're, one of the reasons we're doing Central St. Leonard's. We want to reach into communities that can't come to us, either because they can't get here or they can't come to us because we're just too far away and it's just outside of their world to think of coming up here. We want to go and reach them. That's, that's why the majority, no, not the majority, that's the wrong, the biggest chunk of the money we need for these next three or four years of gift days is to get Central St. Leonard's established that will be the most expensive one to do. Because we're committed to reaching out. Bringing the kingdom, growing church, reaching different communities that would just feel really uncomfortable being with us at the moment. So we need to change to reach them. And lastly, we want to be a fruitful church that's going on mission. Hey, we've got such good news to share, haven't we? I think it's good news. I find it so hard, though. Out of all of the things in the Christian life, I think 
personal witness is the one I find the hardest to break through of. Yet it can be done in so many different ways. Lifestyle and serving. Holiness. Just just the purity of your life being different maybe from your neighbor. Not in a self-righteous way, but in a humble way. Bringing the kingdom of God, sharing your testimony, just speaking what God has been doing in your life, praying for the sick. The reality is that we either draw people towards God or we push them away. Very unlikely you're keeping them in a neutral place. How we speak, how we live, we're either drawing them towards Christ or we're pushing them away. We're really interested. We want to go broader. We want to reach people who do not yet know Jesus. But we are passionate to build a healthy church. Because it's a healthy church that's going to reach most effectively. Going to bring the kingdom in greatest power. We're interested in both the breadth of what we do and the depth of what we do as well. And that's really one of the reasons for 40 Days of Hungering After God is we want to work on our depth with God. I want to go deeper with him. I know you want to go deeper with him as well. We want to see Hastings and the surrounding towns and villages transformed by the power of the gospel. We want to see the very fabric of our communities infused by gospel power and truth leading to transformation. We want to see change in employment, education, health, family life, reduction of crime. You can probably add a few other things to the list. That's what we're about. That's why we exist. That's why we're not in heaven yet. That's the call that God has got upon us as a church. And we have an opportunity to step into it. We have an opportunity to step into it this evening as we give financially. We're going to take an offering in a little while. We, as I shared before, the reality of it is if we wanted to go for the cheap option of church, venues are not a good way of going about it. We've done a budget on it and we reckon we need three to four hundred thousand pounds over the next three to four years. About 130, 140,000 of that we need for St. Leonard's. That will pay um, salary, that will pay rent on a building. We would like to have a sort of permanent presence down there. It will also provide for equipment um, and set up. And we want to be able to send this little mini community out, not having to worry about money too much in the first few years. We want to do exactly the same with Bex Hill as well. It's not as much as that, it's about £90,000. Similar things, bit of staffing, venue hire, equipment over the next three to four years. Doesn't come cheap, but we believe God has called us to it. We want to reinvest back into these venues here as well. So it's about £100,000. A lot of it, if I'm honest, is going towards um, changing the whole front of house, the main stage um, in the main auditorium, trying to get a heating system in here that might be somewhere near as good as the one you've got in here. At least yours cools in the summer and heats in the winter. If you've been in there recently, you'll realize it heats in the summer and cools in the winter. So we want to change that around if we can and do some other bits and pieces. But we also want to provide finance for um, you, for Alid and the team, in order as we re-go in January, we can go with a bit of fresh oomph and uh, see where God will take us there. And then the last bit is we, we've just got sort of one church cost and some of the things we're going to need to look at as far as communication, websites, stuff like that, just as we look at all we're doing there. I, I would ask you, um, it's this week and it's next week, but I would ask you to engage 
with it. If you call this church home, you're, you're with us. I'd, I'd invite you. Come go on a fresh faith adventure with God. Step out. Bank statement in one hand. Bible in the other. Give generously. Give cheerfully. Put yourself out there a bit where it makes it a bit awkward. God's got to come through for you in the next few months. You can give, you can give a lump sum if you've got cash in your bank account. That's absolutely brilliant. We're happy to receive that. Or you can give monthly. To me and close, we're going to do a bit of both. We've, we've, we've got a bit of money that we've got saved up, so we're going to give some of that. But we're also going to give monthly because actually we're not cash rich in that way. So we're going to add on top of our normal tithes and offerings, we're going to give a bit of extra in there. And that will go in over the course of the next 12 months. Um, and that will add up over time. So you can pledge, even if you haven't come with checkbook or debit card, you can pledge tonight to give and to get involved. And that's one of the ways you can do it. Over the next 12 to 18 months, there's going to be plenty of other ways. As you start thinking about, should I be here? Should I be at the 10 a.m.? Should I move to Bex Hill? Is God calling me to St. Leonard's? Do I need to step up in serving? I'm not serving at the moment, but I want to play a part in making this, this congregation awesome. I want to play a part, so I'm going to start serving. You might be serving. Actually, what you need to do is step up in leadership. There's a whole load of different things, but in the end, it's not because me and Steve as elders are telling you to. It's because we're inviting you. We, we know we, it's well beyond us. But it's amazing what we can do together as we stand as one person, step out in faith and see where God leads us. And so, I think I'll just invite the band back up if that's all right. Nick, you've got a song for us to sing? Good. I'll take that as a yes. Why don't we stand? Let me pray. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. Um, then I'm going to invite Andrew up. He's going to give some practical instructions on it. And then we're going, to use, we're going to worship God. We're going to praise God. And this is an opportunity for us to give. Um, not because you've got to, because you want to. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of adventure. I thank you you're a missional God. I thank you. Thank you that you care about us. The reason that we are here today is because at some point in our past, someone spoke to us about Jesus someone stepped out the boat, went for it. Lord, I thank you that you have not stopped calling your followers to do exactly the same thing. And I ask you right now, would you just fill us a fresh Holy Spirit? I pray, would you speak to us about giving this evening or giving next week? I pray, would you stir us about venues? I pray, Lord God, would you stir us about the 40 days of hungering after God. I pray even now, this evening, would you give us a fresh love for your word. We'd wake up tomorrow just wanting to read your word. Fresh hunger for you. I pray fresh intimacy with Holy Spirit. We are thirsty for more of you. Lord, would you come and do wonderful things with us over the coming years as you have in the past. Would your name be made even more famous, we pray through what we do and how we live. Lord, come and have your way, we pray. Amen.